All right. Everybody, let's put our hands together. Good to see you today. The coming king is going to be awesome. Next weekend, a special service that we put a lot of, every service we put a lot of energy in. But next weekend, we've gone over the top so that you can invite your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, and especially your enemies. They, if they, you invited them and they opened their hearts to Christ, they wouldn't be your enemies anymore. That God can do a work in them. We're praying that next weekend will be a weekend that people take that step of faith towards Christ. And so we'd like you to invite. These cards have expiration dates on them. They expire this week. So take every card you can, give it out, and let people know about the coming king. Next weekend is going to be a game changer. So just please, please, please invite and include people to be a part of next weekend's service. Uh, also, I'm glad you're here on this weekend. Uh, happy Grandparents Day. All right. Where, uh, where are the, the mamas and the papas? Where are the grands? Where are they? Come on. Put a, give it a hand up. Come on. Give a hand for the grands. Come on. They're grand. They're grand people. And we love you guys. Also, immediately following this service at 1030, if you are new to the fellowship and we have never spent an hour together, you and me, uh, going through Hope 101, it is today. Today is the day. And if you can stay for one more hour, 1030 to 1130, in the A hallway that's the room, the hallway right beside this auditorium, A10. You would be so welcome to learn about the vision and the values of this place. What is the glue that holds us together? And where are we going as a nation of hope, a people of hope? Hallelujah. Today we're wrapping up our series. We've been in this uh, summer called The Best Summer or living your life to the fullest, and we've been emphasizing that you live your life to the fullest when your life is full of the right stuff, uh, full of the one who gives life. And so we've been talking about various passions that uh, come when we stop living self-centered lives. If you are full of yourself, you will not be enjoying your summer or your autumn, or your winter, or your fall, none of it. But if you are filled with the Spirit of God, which we'd like to happen today, and you receive the, the things God is passionate about. So we talked about being passionate about God's presence, about being in God's presence, not just coming today for some religious duty, but coming today and experiencing God's presence. We talked about having a passion for the cross, not as just a symbol or a piece of jewelry, but as a way of life. Denying your self, not living self-centered, but being God-centered. We talked about having a passion for forgiveness. Uh, for, unforgiveness is all, all about yourselves, because you're offended, you're bitter, you're resentful, and it's about offloading your bitterness and resentment so that you can have a clear relationship with God, a clean relationship with God, and a clean relationship with others. We talked about a passion for forgiveness. Last week, we talked about having a passion for, I'm just checking, 
planning, doing work, work, or getting things done. Because it was Labor Day weekend, so we talked about labor. And we talked about how your work, if it's self-centered, work may be a drag. But if you take your work on as a mission and a ministry, as I ordained you all, hallelujah, you're all ordained ministers, hallelujah, I ordained all of you, and if you weren't here last week, you're ordained as well. Your, your work is a ministry. And today, we're wrapping up this series by talking about a passion for winning. And listen carefully. We can't all of a sudden get self-centered. Because the whole series has been about offloading self-centeredness and becoming God-centered. When we talk about a passion for winning, if you want to edit the title, let's do it like this. A passion for winning souls. Because it's not about you, it's about them. And so we're going to talk about um, a passion for reaching people, inviting people that are far away from God and seeing them come into the family of God. There is a scripture, you want to open up your study guide, uh, uh, you want to follow along, there is a scripture from the wisdom passage of the Bible, the book of Proverbs, that talks about righteous people, people that are, are thinking right, people that are acting right, righteous people, people that are covered with the righteousness of God, that when you decide to not be self-centered, but to be God-centered, you produce what he says is a tree of life. You have something about you that gives life to others. There was a tree of life in the Garden of Eden, and now there are many trees of life walking the planet. Did you know that? You are a tree of life. And a tree is interesting because a tree produces fruit. But a tree does not eat the fruit it produces. It produces fruit for others, right? A tree is not self-centered. It works hard all season to produce fruit. And what we are producing as righteous people, people of God, we are producing life, uh, abundant life. I would say eternal life. We have a message to give to others, a fruit to give to others that they don't have to be separated from God. They can have eternal life. And then the proverb says, and they that win souls are wise. When you win someone to the eternal life that you are producing or that God is producing through you, let me say it like that, that God is producing through you, that they come and they experience the presence of God that comes through you and you win them to your point of view. We call it being a soul winner because their soul that is far away from God comes close to God because you are walking the planet. Jesus says that's the mission of his life. Jesus summed up the mission of his life. Uh, one time in the scriptures, he was being criticized in Luke chapter 19 for being a friend of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a life, a man that was living far from God. And Jesus reached out to him, and Jesus brought him down and out of the tree. <laughs> he got him out of his tree, hallelujah. And he took him to his house, and they had a meal together. And uh, he said, uh, uh, I want to be your friend. And he led Zacchaeus into the kingdom of God. He gave him life. And it totally transformed Zacchaeus. And other people were critical. 
don't you know what a, Zacchaeus, he's not the kind of person you want in your family, Jesus. He's far away from God, and we just want him to stay far away from God. Jesus says, no, no, my mission, my calling that I want all of my people to share, my calling is to seek and to save the lost. And he uses this to describe people that are living far away from God. They are lost. They don't even know they're lost, but they are lost. That's how Jesus sees them. And we need to start seeing our world and the people that live on our street and the people work with us the way that Jesus sees them because until they've experienced the eternal life of God's kingdom, they are lost. So let's talk today about inviting and including these people, even the unlikely people, the, the people like Zach, Zacchaeus, that's far away from God. Let's talk about inviting and including them. And we're in a very special week because we have these special cards with their expiration date. Only a few more days, they're, they're, they're working, and they will work for the next few days, and we've given them to you to go out into the community to invite and include people that they would come in and experience the tree of life, experience eternal life. That means we need to follow the example of Jesus, who said, my whole mission is to seek and to save the lost. So we're going to open up the scriptures to the heart of Jesus and to a passage of scripture about Jesus in Matthew chapter 9. If you want to open your Bible or your um, device that has the Bible or your study guide, it will help you to learn the heart of Jesus as he teaches us how to win friends and influence people. That was Jesus' idea a long time ago. That's what Jesus was about. Now here's what Jesus did, and we should all follow his example to be passionate about winning souls. Here's what Jesus did, and I want to recommend this to you. Jesus was a constant reacher of people. He constantly reached out to new people. Then Jesus, it says, in, in chapter 9 of Matthew, verse 35, then Jesus went about. Let me just pause and say, you can't went about unless you get out. Just, can you see the word out in went about? He went about, and he went about all the places he could go. He went to all the cities he could get to. He went to all the villages he could get to. And when he got there, he was reaching out. He was teaching in the synagogues. He taught in the streets. He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He was healing every disease and every sickness, and he was among the people. So he went to big cities wherever he could find lots of people. And he went to small villages. And in Jesus' day, a village would be very small. He went to small villages because every person he wanted to reach out. He had chosen 12 disciples. And that was beautiful. And he, he liked to hang out with them, his small group. And we're emphasizing today out in the lobby small groups, connect groups, and everyone should be in a small group or a connect group. I'll wind up. Everyone should be in a small group or a connect group. Why? Because Jesus was. If you're Jesus people, you got to do Jesus stuff. That's just the way it is. Jesus was in a small group, and so you should be in one. Uh, Twelve disciples. But notice Jesus' life. 
he took time with his 12 small group guys, hanging out with them, uh, having fish fries sometime. But he wasn't always with them. He reached out to people who were far away from God's kingdom. It's not about living just inside the walls of the church. It's not about just getting together with a small group in your home or wherever you gather. It's about reaching out. Because when you stop reaching out, you start dying as a church. And personally, I do not want to pastor a dead church. I read this week about an interesting um, church that was founded in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 1902, a few years before I was born, but I'm sure my dad was around. 1902. Uh, today, it was St. John the Baptist. Beautiful church. The classic architecture, stained glass. But if you go to the location of St. John Church, you won't find the name St. John Church on that building anymore because it is no longer a church. It is a club. It's a brewery club. They literally call it the Church Brewery. It's following the example of many European churches, great cathedrals of Europe, that people have stopped going to, and so they've been wondering what are they going to do with these churches, and then uh, uh, entrepreneurs have been coming in, and they've been turning the churches into clubs. Uh, I looked at one this week. In Europe, it literally is a skate club. Um, uh, skateboarders have taken over the church, and they have it down the center aisle of the church, um, Skateboarders, you could help me. I, I think it's um I think it's called a half pipe. She, pike or pipe? Pipe with a P. Pike is wrong. Just correcting you for your yes, there you go. Yes, because you corrected me last week. Now it's payback. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's what, what the Bible says, what you sow, you reap, and you're reaping a little bit right there. Okay. A half pipe. If you look down the church, the center are beautiful stained glass windows. But down the center of the church, skateboarders are going. It's a skate club. There are churches that have been turned into book clubs, nightclubs. Now, let me tell you that before a church becomes physically a club, it becomes spiritually a club. The physical manifestation is only a reflection of what has happened in that church years before. Because the people in the church started, you can call yourself a church and not be a church. You can call yourself a church and be a club. Because you just come together with the other members of the club and you hang out with the other members of the club and all you care about are the other members of the club and getting together and, and having your time with the club and uh, you call it a church. But there's no interest in doing what Jesus did, going out. He went about. I'm just encouraging you to went about like Jesus. 
So churches get all about themselves. Okay, what's going on? How's it best for us? The four wall, and it becomes introverted. The church that has the heart of Jesus, the passion of Jesus, and people in this room that have a passion that is put there from Jesus, they are people that get out and about. They reach out. Okay, that's the first thing. Now, here's why he did it, and it's in this passage. He was moved with compassion. We're talking about having a passion. Well, Jesus was filled with compassion, not just for his 12 disciples, not for his, just for his followers, but he was filled with compassion for people who were lost, for people who were living far away from God. He saw them, and he saw beyond the facade of their life and the exterior of their life, and here is how he observed the people that he went out and about with. It says that when he saw the multitudes, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was, let's read this together, moved with compassion. So he saw, and something happened. When he looked at them, something happened in his soul, in his heart, or in, in, his, in his gut. Something moved him because he saw them and he saw that they were weary and they were scattered. And they had no direction or purpose in life. They had no shepherd. He saw people uh, spiritually like we have seen people physically this last week. If we've been watching the news, and we, of course we're praying, and we have this special outreach, please help us in this outreach for hurricane relief, um, Grand Bahamas, the Abaco Islands. If you've seen uh, just the aerial shots of those communities, it's horrendous. Uh, buildings and lives scatter. So, sometimes only the foundation, because that Cat 5 hurricane just stayed over that island for hour after hour after hellacious hour. And watch this their lives are scattered. And they're weary. If you ever see the pictures of the people walking through the rubble, you look at their face and physically you can see the weariness. Well, this is how Jesus sees the people in our mall. They look good, but he looks beyond the facade, beyond the outside. And he's asking us to look beyond the facade of our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones, and our enemies to look beyond the surface and to see they are scattered. As long as they are not connected with their creator, as long as they don't have the life of God, the eternal life of God, they are weary, life is weary, it's a dreary, weary mess. They are scattered and they have no purpose, real purpose. And that's how Jesus saw them. And when that does something in your heart, it will motivate you to scale the wall of fear and get on the other side. It will cause you, when you carry these little cards around, I've got lots of cards in my back pocket there, and you have a little fear. Oh, I don't know if they'll. I don't know if they'll receive this card. And I, I invited them last time. I invited them to Easter and to Christmas, and this isn't even one of those. This is September. But you know the great hymn of the church. See you in September. <laughs> A great hymn of the church. 
I have many great hymns of the church. My spirituality is not limited. It's expansive. And you feel a little, I know, you feel a little, oh, I don't know. Your waitress is coming, oh, I don't know. Don't, don't be weird. And certainly don't invite your waitress if you're not given a good tip. All followers of Jesus should give great tips. Oh, they are just a little sidelight right there. Hallelujah. And just say, you know, there's something special happening at our church, and I just want to leave this for you. I'd love if you would come and be my guest. I'll save you a seat. You can sit with me if you want. Here you go. And there's a little fear, but compassion will cause you to scale the wall of fear and get on the other side of it. Because it moves you. Compassion will move you. It moved Jesus. There's a, a friend that comes to our church, uh, and he has a friend uh, that was far away from God, far away from the church. And he invited them, just like we're encouraging you this week to have a passion to invite and include people. And he invited his friend, and his friend said, no. So he circled back around and he invited him a second time. Hey, would you, you know, something's coming up and I'd like to invite you. No. So he circled around a third time and, hey, you know who my church is? No. So he circled around the fourth time and the fifth time and the sixth time and the seventh time and the eighth time. And let me put this in context. If you have, don't do this every week. You'll, you'll turn them off, like every way. Oh, my God, they'll be afraid to see him. But just when it's appropriate. He invited his friend for years. Over 50 times. He counted. Over 50 times. He scaled the wall of fear and jumped on the other side and said, hey, I'd love you to come with me to church. And finally one day his friend sensed the weariness of his life and the scatteredness of his life and the directionless of his life, and he came to the house of God. Hallelujah. And when he got here, when he got here, he opened his heart. He received Christ. He surrendered his life, and the eternal life of God came into him, and he became a follower of Jesus. And not too long after, unexpectedly, he slipped from this world into the next world, and we will see him in heaven because his friend scaled the wall of fear, was moved with compassion, and wouldn't give up. So this is just another week for you to not give up. Give him the card and say, my pastor told me I have to do this. Blame it on me. And if they want to punch somebody out, say, come to church, punch my pastor out. I'll come ready. A pa Jesus had a passion. Every once in a while, our lives get to be, we've got to come back to the passion of Jesus. And Jesus is passionate for people who are far away from God. He's passionate. Why? Because he values them. Because in God's economy, people matter to God. They are incredibly valued. Notice how Jesus describes the people who are far away from God. He calls them the harvest. 
Now, uh, I, there's not a lot of farmers in this church. <laughs> but some of you have uh, driven down the road and you've gone by a field or an orchard that is ready for harvest. And you look and go, wow, that's, have you ever gone like the oranges when they're ready to be harvested and they're right there and you just go, wow, they are ready for harvest. That's, you go, that's nice. Or has anybody gone by a field of wheat and you go, it's, and it's right, you go, wow, that's nice. Or a, a cotton field that's all white and you go, that's nice. But the farmer doesn't say that's nice. The farmer says that's money. Because to the farmer, that is value. And Jesus, in an agricultural culture and society, is saying, hey, we need to look at the people around us and know they have incredible value. They are harvest. And uh, when you are a farmer, maybe you know a farmer, you can check these facts out. My mother grew up in a farming um, uh, family. We went to her family farm. Her brothers were farmers. And there's a few things that you do in farming. Uh, you have to prepare the soil, and that's nice. You have to fertilize the soil, and some of you have smelt that. And you have to uh, cultivate the, the, as it grows. You've got to protect it from weeds and, and things that would come in to try to disrupt the harvest. But then it comes harvest time, and when you farm, it is all about the harvest. If you did ever all the other work and you never harvested, you'd have missed the point. And in the church, there's a lot of things going on. Some people come because they like the music. And some people come because they like the teaching. And some people come because they like the coffee. Some people come because they like the serving. That's like fertilizing the soil, when a person makes the step of faith into the family of God, that's harvest. And that's what it's all about. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what we need to value. We need to have the, the values of our Lord, and he values the harvest. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world, he valued the world, he valued every person in this room, that he gave his only begotten son. That's how, much you're, that's how much you're valued. The enemy comes to say you're not valuable. The enemy comes to say you have messed up too much. God doesn't love you like he really does. But when Jesus hung on the cross, God says to every person in this room and literally every person in our community, you matter to God. You are so valuable that I gave my only begotten son for you. The Bible says, what should a prophet, a man or a woman, if they gain the whole world, everything this world has to offer, and they lose their soul, which he's trying to tell us, your soul is more valuable than all the material goods of this world. That's how valuable you are. And when Jesus saw the harvest, he was moved with compassion. They mattered to God. He reached out to them in compassion and love. And he tells us that we need to be people that pray, invite, and include people to come to the Lord. He says, I want you to lift up your eyes. I want you to see people that are far away from God. And I want to call you to pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. I would like every person 
regularly to have a list of about five people that you are praying for that you know and have friendship with, and you're praying for them to come into the family of God. If you have no friends, if all of your friends are in the church and all of your friends love Jesus, you need to get some new friends. And that tends to happen when we are around the church and all these lovely people and they're much nicer than the other friends and we start to hang out with the nice ones and all of a sudden, hey, everybody we know is in the church. But Jesus went out and about to people that were outside the family of God so he could win souls. And he asks us to pray, and I would like you to pray for people. I'd like you to have your, your, your focus five list. You're praying over those precious lives. And then he says, I want you to pray, and sometimes people will be on your list, and they'll be in like a, a way far away from here. He says, pray that laborers, pray that laborers would come across their pathway. And that there are people I pray for that are not in God's family right now. And I just pray, God, bring the right people to have the right conversation with them at the right time to reveal the kingdom of God. And Lord, just, just impress through some other worker, some other laborer. Lord, raise up other laborers. Oh, God, raise up laborers who will invite and include uh, people that are far away from God. And I encourage you to pray that way. Pray, Lord. Raise up laborers. Let's just pray that right now. Lord, raise up laborers. One more time. Lord, raise up laborers. And then I would like you to answer your own prayer. Uh, you may know this because you are Bible scholars, a lot of Bible scholars and students that are here. Uh, immediately following chapter 9 of Matthew comes chapter... Very good. See, I knew scholars are here. This is the last verse of chapter 9, and the number system is put there by translators so we can find passages of Scripture. But if you go into chapter 10, immediately the Lord, after saying, pray for laborers, he says, now, guys, go out there. I give you the power. I give you the boldness. I give you the compassion. I want you to go and do what I've been doing. So they literally prayed, oh God, raise up laborers, and then they answered their own prayer. That's what I'd like you to do, to answer your own prayer. Possibly someone is praying in New Jersey for the waitress that is waiting on you today, and they're saying, oh God, raise up a laborer. And you're praying for someone somewhere else but you could be the laborer that is an answer to someone else's prayer. And you are doing it as you answer your own prayer because you say, God, here am I. I am ready to invite and include people in the kingdom of God. Because you have exactly what people need. I was, um, I was in California. I was preaching this week, but I worked hard to get back to be with you people, because this is my favorite church to be in. And uh, I wanted to get back to pray with the guys yesterday morning, and then I had to do some work to get ready, because I was away during the week, and I'm working on my computer, working on my computer, and I'm working on my, getting all my stuff ready, I'm working on my computer, and all of a sudden, my computer, up in the top right-hand corner, there's a little battery thing I have on my, little, little symbol of a battery, and it turned red. 
And it said, you must charge your computer or it's going to die. So I thought, no problem, because uh, I have my backpack that I carry my computer in, and, and uh, in the front pocket of my backpack is my wire that I need. And I reached into the pocket to get the wire that I needed, and it wasn't there. Because I, I took it to California. And I brought it back, and it never made it from the travel bag into my backpack. So now my red, and, and here's what's happening. The percentage is going lower and lower. And I was in a panic. So I was here at the church in the office, and there are a lot of wires in this church. I went into my staff's offices to try to find a wire. Some of them looked similar. But when I stuck them in on my computer, they wouldn't fit. Because I have, like, the oldest computer of anyone on staff. They give me all the good stuff. That's my job. I get the, mine, mine is, it is. And they have, like, newer computers than me. And they're, this is a trick of the enemy. They keep changing the adapter cords. They just, I, it's, it's so they can sell you new wires. That's a, and the wires are like $50 in the charge. Like, they're like, well, okay, that's a whole other rant. I could, I went into, Pastor Mark has a lot of wires. I went into his room. I went through the wires. There was Alex. He was here working with a uh, ministry training uh, class that runs here on Saturdays. I said, Alex, I need a wire. I conscripted him into searching the church for a wire. There's a lot of wires upstairs in the tech area, lots of wires. And I, I found some that would fit other things on my computer, and I pushed them in, but they didn't help. They didn't, help. They didn't give me power. I was just sticking anything I could into my computer because it was dying. And uh, I, could, I called uh, uh, Jared, our tech minister, and I said, I, my computer is dying. And he said, I will drive to your house, and I'll get you the wire, Pastor. I will save your life. I said, hallelujah, hallelujah. Okay, thank God, because I need a wire. And then I wandered down, and the Brazilian church was setting up glory be to God. And Pastor Marcio was there. And Pastor Marcio said, Pastor, I have a wire. There are a lot of reasons to plant churches, and I'm going to tell you one of them, because when you need a wire, the Brazilians had them. They had that wire. And I plugged it into my computer, and it fit. And it was exactly what I needed. Now, when you walk the planet, you are a tree of life. And people, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, they are, they are sticking everything they can. It's not fitting. It's not working. And they may smile, but Jesus looks beyond the smile. He sees the weariness of their life. He sees the panic of their life. He sees, if you could see it, as scattered as the Abaco Islands. Their lives are scattered. They have no shepherd. They're directionless. And you're carrying, the power is already there. What Jesus has done is already there. He's already paid for it on the cross. You don't have to earn it or deserve it or even pay FPL for it. And you have the message of Christ's love. And by your invitation, you help to bring them to a place where they plug in to the kingdom of God and they experience the tree of life. And you are a soul winner. And that's the passion.
that Jesus never wants us to lose. Yes, the music is wonderful. Yes, the teaching is important. Yes, the fellowship is important. But if we lose our passion for the harvest, we have become a club. And I do not want to pastor a club. I want to pastor a church of the living God that has a passion for soul winning. So let me encourage you uh, to stand with me, if you would, to close your eyes for a moment of prayer. Our prayer team is coming immediately to stand with me and prepare their hearts to pray and to minister to you. And I want to make an invitation, first of all, because I don't know. It's possible that you have come to church today and you've been living far away from God. And the enemy of your soul has been telling you, you are not valuable. You could never be a follower of Jesus. Well, I'm here to say you are more valuable and you matter more than you think. And I want to give an invitation for every single person in this room to open their heart to Jesus Christ. We're going to do this again next weekend. Bring your friends so they can hear this very same invitation. But the invitation is this. Christ has already paid for your salvation on the cross. He absorbed all your sin and all your shame. He took them all away. And when you receive Christ, you receive forgiveness. And you receive Christ by praying. The Bible says believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. We're going to pray a confession, a prayer together that if you pray from your heart will transform your life. And so I'm going to pray out loud and I would love every person in the room from the very front to the very back, every person from the left-hand side to the right-hand side to lift your voice to the Heavenly Father and let's pray together a prayer that changes lives. Here's our prayer out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name because I need you in my life. And I open my heart, my soul, my life to Jesus Christ to be my Savior, to be my Lord. I repent of my sins. I leave them behind. And I open my life to Jesus Christ. I am forgiven. I am loved. I am filled with the Spirit of God. I am following Jesus every day of my life. Thank you, God, for loving me. Hallelujah, 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 amen. Yes, we put our hands together and we celebrate. That's a great prayer. It's a great prayer. So if you are making a first-time commitment or a recommitment to Christ, please, before you go, walk forward, tell one of our prayer team, hey, I prayed with Scott today. Something new has started. These next few moments are the most important moments of our gathering because we worship, we teach, and then we pray. And it's in the prayer that the power of God is released. And our team is here to pray with you. Whatever your needs are, your life, your home, your marriage, your business, maybe you want to walk forward to represent someone you're praying for to come into the kingdom of God and just stand and say, Lord, I just want to come for a few moments and intercede and pray that you would raise up laborers and use me to answer that prayer as well for myself and for others. Just want to pray. You're welcome to come. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive prayer, and you don't have to be a member of this church to receive communion. If you'd like to receive the bread of the Lord and the cup of the Lord, these symbols that remind us of what Jesus did on the cross, you're welcome to come. To the right-hand side or the left-hand side, remember Jesus. Remember that he died, he was buried, and he rose again, and he's in this room right here, right now. 
If you've been a guest with us today, thank you so much. If you are new here to the fellowship and you've never taken the moment to stop by our VIP room, please, today is your day. It's over on the left-hand side. We'd like to meet you, greet you, and gift you. And then if you can stay, if you're new to the fellowship as well, give me one more hour. It will be life-changing as well in the A hallway at uh, 1030 in just a few minutes from now. But I'm going to pray a blessing. And after this blessing, there's no benediction. Just the worship team will begin to lead us. People will be prayed for. People will receive communion. People will go with the grace of God. But I pray you will walk from this place with a passion to win souls. A passion for winning souls. Because when you win souls, you are wise. That's what the scripture says. So as I pray this prayer, I open my hands uh, to heaven. I encourage you to close your eyes so no one's embarrassed, but also to open your hands towards heaven. This is a Bible way of praying. The Bible says opening our holy hands, lifting up our holy hands. And so, Lord, here are your sons and your daughters, and I pray you would pour a blessing upon them. I pray, God, that from the top of their head to the soles of the, their feet, the power of the Holy Spirit would, would rest and make them witnesses in this world. I pray that the God of hope would fill you with all joy and all peace as your trust grows in the Lord so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I bless you in the strong and the mighty and the majestic name of Jesus. And in Jesus' name, you are very blessed. And everybody says, amen. Let's just give the Lord an ovation of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you guys so much. Would you please come forward for prayer, for communion? The worship team leads us into the things of worship and the Lord's presence.